Hey everyone, welcome back to Rally Caps, a podcast for the creative entrepreneur building a business for the long haul. Hailing from the creative epicenter of the North, Toronto, Canada, our guest today is a photographer, filmmaker, and creative director who has been featured on Mashable, Good Morning America, and Huffington Post. He's also worked with Mercedes-Benz, Adobe, Corona, Grey Goose, and Google. He has amassed a following of over a million people across social platforms, and in another life, he'd be the lead singer and guitarist of a pop-punk band. He's married to his love, Lizzie, and he's not married to Instagram, which he's made well-known through a viral onslaught of Instagram meme videos absolutely roasting the platform. Is that all correct, Chris? You, well, you definitely, I'd say like the 70% of that was just like you went to my website and it was like perfect. <laughs> I did. And then the rest you're like, I, we can go to two more websites and probably piece the rest of this together so it Dang looked it. like we tried. I knew I should have put it out of order. <laughs> you, no, it's, that's Wait, right. did, I, did I get the pop punk genre right though? Yes, you're right. It was maybe yes. like a, a little bit more on the alternative rock side, but you know, pop punk is more of like the heart of where my music interests lay. So I'll give you the plus okay. one on that one. Okay. Okay. Very good. Best pop punk concert you've ever been to? Ooh. Okay. Taking Back Sunday is like one of my favorite bands of all time. So I, I distinctly remember watching the lead singer do his like, mm, like magical thing where he like wraps the microphone around his neck and then it like rips back the other way. And I'm like, how does he do that every single night? <laughs> so yeah, I, just right now off the top of my head, Taking Back Sunday. Sick. Okay. You Great just, concert. You just saw Mayday Parade recently. Did you see Mayday Parade yeah. at House of Blues, Chicago? Phenomenal show. When uh, did when did you start music? Were you a kid or what? Yeah, I started when I was like 14 because my best friend Mackenzie Gallagher at the time got a guitar and he's like, we should start a band. And I was like, I'm going to go to the music store tonight. And I bought an electric <laughs> guitar <laughs> and that's how it started. Sick. And then we started oh, a band called A Better Escape and we had the worst harmonies on planet earth and i you know, you know those moments that like stick with you and you have nightmares about them later on in life yeah. i still play back the time we played live and i tried to harmonize with him on a blink 182 song and i think i like heard the audience all go oh. on how bad <laughs> the harmony was but you need oh. that's where you grow those are the moments of strength and growth later yep. on in yes. life 100 percent. i i had what song i have to ask Oh, I think it was like going away to college and it was just a bunch of like okay. <laughs> 15 year olds being like, we're still not even going to college yet, but you know, <laughs> let's go for it. Going away to third period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So instead of like the, where'd you get your start question? We're just going to jump into like, what are the things you make? What are all the things you make and you do right now? Like just off the top of your head, what can you yeah. name? Uh, I mean, video is like prominent right now. I, I, I don't know. It's, it spans so many different things. Like I have such a passion for shooting photos and I think that's really where like a lot of this really stemmed from. So, you know, photo is always where like I get a lot of joy. Like I was editing photos right before this and that's where I, I like can get into a flow state when editing. But as of recent, I've been working on like short form content, which you kind of mentioned in that little intro bio there. So that's something that we've been leaning into like really heavily over the last little while and making long form YouTube content. For a long time, we were also working on like commercial and corporate videos, which is something that we've kind of like sunsetted in our life just because it's not as... Mm -hmm interesting to me and I feel like I've done it at this point. So I want to, I have other challenges in front of me and then I'm just starting to get back into like making music again. But for a long time I was part of bands and I was a singer songwriter and performed live like four times a week. Um, so I'm finding my love and passion for music again. Um, and that's you kind have good of harmony like, now. Yeah. The harmonies are back. It's, <laughs> I've gone to therapy. 
<laughs> so that's <laughs> those are the, those are the things I'm working on right now, and things I, I guess off the top of I'm sure there's more uh, out there that you could be very esoteric with, and he also makes food and all these other things. But whatever, you know, those are the things top of mind creatively that I work on. Sure, very cool. And has has are those mediums birds still out of passion or? Uh, I, I kind of want to get deep with these things kind of quick. Just like, how, yeah. does, how does that feel these days having, what, you've been doing it for seven or eight years now? Yeah, YouTube has Even been, longer? Uh, like in terms of uh, like online personality YouTube stuff, it's been like five years of doing it. And I mm. I think the first year for a lot of people when they're making uh, content online because, because it's not fueled by a business and maybe other expectations from other people and having employees and other pressures that come from it. Um, I think that really, it starts with passion. I think it always has to start with passion. And then at some point a business has to kind of wrap its structure around that passion in some capacity. So I, I would say that I'm trying to find the passion again because of the necessity to make YouTube shorts because mm -hmm. I can't, fully monetize YouTube shorts or short form content at this point. It's like this giant playground to just go and have fun and make things that are like really exciting. So I found this like new passion for comedy, which I used to be a part of like the improv team in high school. I used to be the captain of the improv team. So there's always been this like underlying um, comedy background that I did for a long time. I even had a YouTube channel with uh, some of my closest friends in university called the LMA show. And we produce like a hundred episodes of like short form content, um, oh, cool. which is funny that it's all kind of coming back. It was like very much skits, like 30 second skits, but we would do like five of them in one episode. So I'm getting to exercise a part of me that I haven't really like worked on for a couple years that um, I really enjoy. And, and also that is being like really well received by the world, both in both online and in person. Like when I go for lunch with friends or I, you know, I'm connecting or I'm texting uh, different people they're they're kind of bringing up like oh I really like the comedy stuff I really like, keep doing more of that and I'm like all right so this this thing that I like that I'm passionate about is being well received so that's an exciting thing but I've, I've had my ebbs and flows with all sorts of finding passion and falling out of passion with uh, a medium or an art form like for example music was a really big one like for such a long time that was the thing like I thought I was going to be a singer-songwriter when people would ask what do you want to do in the future I had this very much like dream of being like a Jack Johnson from Canada and doing yeah. like singer-songwriter maybe doing some like surfing stuff because I also have this like weird background and passion for wake surfing which is another thing mm. that I can talk about for falling in love with something and then it turns into a job and an activity and then you kind of fall out of it. It's almost like mm. business kills the spirit of things. <laughs> is that, is that the, is that the underlying message that we've just discovered through this therapy session? Um, well, that's the, it's like the epitome of what we try to get to in the podcast. It's like, yeah, the I whole, just the whole concept of doing something for the long haul is just like, it feels so foreign to so many creative people these days. Totally. I think the, for me, the thing that has lasted the longest in terms of passion has been the YouTube business or the online social media personality, uh, if you want to call it that. Because when I was pursuing music, uh, it was difficult because at the time in Canada, there was like this like grant system that we have access to. So basically, like I think a big reason why there's so many successful Canadian artists on top 40 music or in the world, you have Drake's, you have the Justin Bieber's, you have the Neil Young's, is because Canada 
actually funds that from your tax dollars. <laughs> like the Canadian government will give you a grant for like $20,000 to go and make an album. So I was, wow. which is amazing. And there's, what? it's a different programs called factor and so can, and all these different places have ways to support it. And, and again, that's why I genuinely think there's so many talented artists coming out of Canada, at least in the music scene, because there's, different you know systems in place like that so i was going hard after university to pursue music and write songs and i had all these ideas for like viral videos of like me surfing and playing guitar at the same time that like gained a lot of attention i was building this like I, I what i thought at the time was like a lot of buzz i mean maybe now it's not but at least at the time in that world where people got signed for very little or people got signed or picked up or got these grants. It felt like I had, a, had amassed enough of like interest to get one. And I applied like four times for them and writing these grants takes a lot of energy and time and mm. um, strategy. And I wrote four of them. And like when I got rejected on the last one, I just kind of like had, I don't know, it was just this weird switch that I was just like the music business and industry like killed my joy for making music. And then once you play enough bar gigs after a while and like people throw beers at you, you're like, this sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? So let's, let's shift. And that's at the time too, when all of that was happening, I was making videos and I was making music videos and people were like, these are really great. And I was like, what do you think of the music? He's like, the video is awesome. You should, you should do more <laughs> of that. And I was like, thanks. So I just started getting more jobs in the video space. And then that's where it eventually transitioned into the YouTube side where I think because, um, YouTube allow because there's like less of like a boss in the YouTube space like you are your own boss and because or the audience is your your boss whatever you want to like however you want to look at it it's the version of pursuing art or however I wanted to feed my ego that like remained the most passionate consistently um and mm. I feel like I haven't been like like I still get excited making YouTube videos not oh I would say like yeah. 67% of the time I'm very excited about it and the other times are like I'm doing this out of necessity to like fund my life and my editor and all these other people that make when I do the other 67% more enjoyable more fun hmm well that's, that's cool now because you've in the time that you've spent on YouTube building your audience and on Instagram subsequently it's almost like you've built your own distribution platform for totally. the music that you're now working on yeah I, th I it would be interesting because i think people are primed for different types of content like i think if i just like dropped some sort of like pop punk album out of nowhere people probably be like, uh, what the fuck is this you know what i mean but, <laughs> <laughs> but i i know I, I think like i i think bill murray said it on a tweet one time and he said um, I have a million followers and only 0.001% give a shit about my new book. And I thought that was like mm. really funny. And I was like, so it, yeah. it kind of, even when you do have, you know, this people, like an audience that loves you, like for you, there's always going to be like, once you're starting a new project that yeah, it's still going to take some time to convince them to be excited about it. So, yeah, I think. It's really interesting to see people start to pivot into these things now, though, because I think you would have a an advantage over Bill Murray is that Bill Murray, people really only know him and actors like him in the roles that they play totally. versus like the slice of their actual life and who they are and like different aspects of them where a lot of people on YouTube or TikTok or whatever are seeing those parts of your life and like clinging on to that personal side of, of you. 
That's why I love seeing like I love seeing musicians just blow up on TikTok these days. Yeah, that's like one of the only good things I like about TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> is just seeing musicians like say f you to the like to the distributing, um, you know, the the classic ways to distribute their music. No, and absolutely. Just doing it on their own. And I, I, um, one of my favorite artists of all time was Macklemore. And I feel like he paved mm. the way for independent artists online. Like the internet, mm. he was so internet culture and he really found a way to build this like intense, passionate audience. Like I remember going to his shows before Macklemore was Macklemore and his like a first EP came out and mm. the, the energy from the crowd was insane. And it's, it kind of goes the same for another artist named John Bellion who is like, mm-hmm. he writes songs now for like Justin Bieber, but people loved them. And I always just really respected that they built their own thing and then they used the the machine that is, you know, labels and everything else to only like add fuel to the fire rather than crutching on mm. the traditional ways of doing things to become famous. So I, I love the internet. <laughs> That's the most like vague thing ever <laughs> to say, but I think because of that, um, it's allowed like authenticity to really rise to the top. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, do you, if, if music ended up being a path that you pursue, uh, strongly, do you feel like you could see photography and filmmaking just kind of being in the wake of that boat going that direction? Yeah. I always thought it was really cool. There was a, a guy back in the day named Jeremy loops and he did a lot of stuff with Ben oh. Brown when Ben Brown was doing his like YouTube stuff. And I felt like yeah. Jeremy had almost built this like weird audience where he was doing photo and video because he knew that there was a strong audience coming over from Ben's side. So then mm-hmm. all of a sudden Jeremy loops became like really good at like music and photo video. And you always just respected him for kind of being such like a diverse person. I just think the cool thing now is that the art speaks for itself. So like if it's good music, people will more or less hopefully like it. If it's good photos, people will kind of go on. And I think there's this whole like beautiful mesh of trying to do a lot of things. Cause you have people like the childish Gambinos and the Donald Glovers of the world that can be so multifaceted and so multi-talented. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. don't know if I have it in me at this point in my life to want to pursue music. So like if I did it, I would only do like a handful of shows. I'd probably do like low key acoustic performances. And not to say that mm-hmm. I don't think I would want to do it. I just think if I really wanted to push hard for it, I just don't know if the life of a musician is what I like am excited at this point in my, in, where I'm at. That being said, sure. the happiest moments of my life were on stage, um, when mm-hmm. I was playing music. So it's, it's a tough place to be in when you have a successful YouTube channel that is working or, um, and provides jobs and opportunities to other people to do again, another selfish thing, which is to like kind of pursue music. So it starts off selfish in order to start making music for other people so that they enjoy it as well. And I I don't know, like it's a, it's a grind, like touring and going show to show. Like it's different. Like when I go and tour now tour as a, like a videographer, Instagrammer, or whatever you want to call it. I literally go and get to see places. I am like compensated to go to do the cool thing I would normally want to do in that place. Whereas like mm-hmm. as a musician now, I just have to go to a place, stay at probably like a shitty hotel because it's a startup, then go to sound check, then eat some food, play the show and then move on to the next city. So like I don't even get to do the thing that I would have probably originally wanted in the first place from doing music, which was to like experience the world. It's really for like that one hour on stage where you get to connect with your audience, which is an amazing feeling that you cannot replicate almost anywhere else. But Mm -hmm. 
I, I can also, I also feel like I could say I did it. Like I did it enough to be like, mm-hmm. I've pursued it and do, do I need to chase that feeling again? I don't know. Maybe there's other feelings in my life, like having a kid and some other stuff that I think will, um, provide the next high or the next level of excitement in my life that I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I relate to that very hard because I was the same way in middle school and high school I was like in pop punk bands and indie rock bands and stuff. And that was the first thing that I fell in love with as far yep. as artistic expression was concerned. And I feel like, yeah, kind of like a post musician, like oh, I had my time with it and now I still love music so much. It's the yep. thing that probably brings me the most joy, yep. but I don't do it for business or money or anything at all. It's just some, that thing that I keep to myself. And I think it's really cool to have like a hobby like that too. And I think, like yeah, same, I think you same need for it, you. right? Cause yeah. I, I had, so you want to talk about the real stuff is like, I had this like Let's realization, go. um, <clears throat> even in like the last couple of years that I was like, everything I loved, I found a way to make money at it. Like, mm. and that was like, a, it's a, someone told me they're like, that's a really cool <laughs> skill, but at the same time it has its own like downfalls with it so for example i played music and then i found a way to start making money at music i started surfing and like just doing it for fun behind our boat and then i found a way to start like teaching lessons and then i started competing and getting podiums and getting cash prizes from that kind of thing and i was like oh i found a way to make money off of this other thing that's supposed to be my fun outlet so now every time i go Mm. and do it it's like a job and it's not this way to like just relax and and chill out and the same for photography and the same for videography. And so, um, I, it it was tough because then I realized at one point in my life, I was like, I don't do anything just for joy. I have found Mm -hmm. this weird thing where I've like only ever tried to monetize it, which has its own like complex issues. So I like the idea knowing now that like another reason why I probably wouldn't pursue music is probably because if I started making money at it again, I would fall out of love with it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very profound. Yep. But for me, it's running right now. I got back into running about five years ago and just progressively just enjoyed it more and more and more. Yeah. And now you're a running influencer. Nope. (laughs) I like literally made another YouTube channel and I was like, wait, no, like, yeah, I love watching running YouTubers. I think it's amazing. Um, I'm like, I just don't think that's like I see myself in the future being like, okay, these guys review shoes. I'm like, I don't want to review running shoes. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to do those things. I just like training and running, training for and running marathons. So yeah, maybe that's just how I do it. I think it's important um, to have things for yourself and not yeah. for other people or for doing it because like, oh, oh, I I could be good at this and I know I could be good at it. It's almost like there's more strength in saying no. Um, which goes to like one of my favorite quotes in life is that the music or the notes that you don't play are just as important as the notes that you do. Because if you tried to play all the notes, it, this, the song of life would just sound like shit. <laughs> that's not, that's, I don't know what the quote is. I think Miles Davis said it, but I paraphrased it into my yeah. own joy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's true though. Okay. Well then real talk to anyone who's listening to the episode right now and they're like maybe on the fence about taking a a hobby or a passion and trying to run full time with it or kind of between like, Oh, I've got a steady job. Maybe I don't want to quit that. Maybe I just want to keep this to myself on the side because it's just fun. Make a couple bucks from it. Maybe make no money from it at all. What advice would you give to them? It's so, it's so case by case. Like I think everybody is so, I know this sounds so vague. It should be like everyone's so uniquely different. I just think, you know, in for example, like in my case, like I have 
a job where I turned it into a passion. So then I can have like room for my other passions to just be passions. But for a lot mm. of people, like the escape from like their job and making money at that might actually be what they're passionate about. Like, does that make sense? Like yeah. mm, they, they yes. would almost be yep. fueled yep. by the idea that they're making money off of their photography. So until they have the yep. luxury of being in the position that they're making a full-time salary from that photo video thing. And now they can find something else to just be the passion. So that's why I think it's like, so case by case, I think you always kind of know deep down what you really really enjoy and what you would enjoy making money or what you would enjoy as a day-to-day -day grind as your job right like i kind of was got exhausted from playing music because of everything outside of that five percent that is playing on stage right and everything mm. else tired me out whereas like photo video like i still love it and i can pick it up like i can just go and shoot photos for the sake of shooting photos without being like these have to go on instagram or these have to go anywhere like i just like doing it so that has been the that's the one artistic outlet that's been the most consistent where it's like I can come in and out of like the passion for it and out of it and treat it like a job and then treat it back into passion again. So maybe find the one that is the, the most bearable. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you brought it up, Steven, because I think a lot of people are listening to it in a full-time or a part-time job, like looking to become a photographer or filmmaker, or any other uh, creative job stepping into that role because i think a lot of our the conversation we've had leading up to this point is is the the tertiary thing is like we are already are already in creative careers mm -hmm. talking about other artistic sort of things outside of that yeah and so yeah i feel the same way about photography and filmmaking too and another way for me to to make photography sustainable the past five years is uh, photographing my personal life on film. That's just yep. been really good for me to just like separate the digital work from my personal work and just finding nuances like that, that, that can be really helpful for you. Or maybe it's that you shoot digital and then you, you just don't share that personal stuff online anywhere. It just like yeah. you keep it in an album or print it and put it in a book at home or whatever. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like, um, I, I love asking people this question. Do you have any kind of five to 10 year plan? Because I think a lot of creative people are just kind of sitting there going like, yeah, this is working now. Like this platform is popping off or like, I love it and really enjoy making these things now. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always just love to, to challenge people with that idea. And cause I know I've, we've watched some recent videos where you're talking about real estate or getting some Airbnbs and kind of an, and that seems to be that seems to be kind of the common thread in a lot of creative entrepreneurs I'm, I'm seeing is just like finding good investments that could have a decent return so that you could just like slowly keep ratcheting down the amount of things you're having to create or make. Yeah, or like the obligations uh, for sponsorship <laughs> or like leaning yep. on things that you don't know will be there in a couple of years because maybe your product or your brand is more attractive now than it will be in the future. Um, mm. and not to say that, like, I don't know, I think the opportunities are only continuing to grow, but the competition increases too. Yeah. So to, yeah. to answer your question, yeah, I think that's a big part of like turning 30, I had this big switch. I was like, I really want to get, um, even more financially versed. Um, so mm. looking at what I can be investing in on the real estate side, like, you know, Lizzie and I are definitely in a position where we want to pull the trigger on like investing in like another country outside of Canada. Um, and mm. using that as like a Airbnb as well as a place to live. That's an investment in like our life 
And then mm -hmm. the other side of it is like, so there's so there's a lot of weird facets in my life. Um, when I was in university, I was part of this thing called like the next 36. And it's because I'm always been really fascinated in, in like entrepreneurship and building businesses. So basically Canada does this whole thing where they like go through all the universities. They have a whole bunch of people try to apply and they try to pick like the next 36 individuals that will like build billion dollar companies in hmm. uh, in Canada. And so you go in, you pitch these business ideas. And so I made it to like the top 50 round, but I, I, it's, I was pushing and pitching like for different startups, both in the digital and photo and video niche. Um, and my idea wasn't picked alongside of like all these other brilliant people who've gone on to literally build billion dollar companies, which is insane that that friggin' incubator worked. Um, so part of the things that I would like to do in the future is like build more businesses and build more collaboration and also like lift more people up. Like I feel like I've found whatever success that I've wanted from this career at this capacity. So anything on top of this is just like extra icing on the cake. It's like, mm. it's exciting, but I'd rather find ways to, you know, can I bring someone else's career up? Can I build this business to a point that it like has five or 10 employees and then those 10 people have their own lives? Like it's my most the thing I'm most grateful for through all of this is that like Lucas, who's a full-time employee here at the channel, it's like he literally makes his living off of this channel and this YouTube content and Instagram channels that we do. And, and it, it blows my mind that he has like a mortgage and he has a car and all this other stuff. And I'm like this little channel where we talk about cameras and lifestyle and all this other stuff supplies that for him. So it'd be really rewarding to build more businesses that, um, can provide that for other people, um, so that mm. they get to do more of like what they enjoy and have op opportunities like that. So not only for employees, but also like other creators, can I be a vehicle for them to take off? Can I help them in any capacity with the knowledge that I have so that mm. they can be successful? So I know that's like more like esoteric a little bit as the future, not such like concrete plans. It's like Long story short, would love to build more businesses, provide more opportunities. I would love to make more investments and I want to start a family. That's another thing at some point in the next mm -hmm. like five years, which will happen and becomes a bigger priority. I feel like every year you get older and I'm sure you guys are in this space. It's just like, you're like, Oh, family is when everyone talks about family being number one, that is so friggin' true. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think those are just like my bigger priorities right now in my life. Um, and I think things will change. Like, you know, we're, our family's going through some, some big changes right now and some heavy stuff that really changes your priorities and makes you rethink about like your, your life trajectories. So right now I think I'm also in this like ex exploration stage of my life where I'm like looking and cutting things out and building and deciding like what I really want to do with my time while I'm on this planet. Yeah. Oof. Yep. Yeah. It's that last line really hit me. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> my my wife and I have four kids now and it just happened a lot faster than we thought it would, but, you know, by, you know, when we were first married yeah. and they are just a constant reminder to me to keep myself in check about what's important and what's not. Yeah. And, you know, when you're, you know, we just came back from like a four day trip and we're about to leave for another week long trip in a mm -hmm. week and a half. And, and there's a lot of travel this year. We're mm -hmm. you know, coming off a year and a half of not doing anything at all as all yep. of us have. And being met with that like reality of needing to say goodbye to them um, or the feeling of coming home to them and like that joy and excitement puts everything into perspective as far as like how careful I'm being with my time and the balance yep. of 
what I continue to pursue. It's like, there is this balance for me as well, where I, I am obsessed with the idea of growing a company so that others can flourish alongside of me. Like we have a studio where six of us work in here and we're all collaborating with each other all the time on different business things. And so I love seeing that happen, but if that, if too much of that starts happening, like I have to start sacrificing family time, which is mm-hmm. not okay in my book. Um, yeah. But the, be- the beautiful thing in all that as well is the more, the more passive streams I build and the more investments I make, you know, like getting more into real estate or hiring other people to outsource different things, it gives me that time back. And yep. it allows me to do those two things of investing in all the relationships I have in here and helping other people in here build their businesses and still giving ample time to my family to go on vacations and just be a dad at home, which mm-hmm. is just epic. Yeah. No, for sure. But, I heard like yeah. the most extreme version of this one time in like an Ed Sheeran podcast. And he was talking about how oh, he'll really? he'll fly his private jet and it will cost him like $40,000 just so he can spend one more day with his wife uh, in between yep. a tour date. And I was like, yep. geez. So like, you know, yep. when someone's time is so divided that that's like how important it is to someone when it even reaches that level or that scale of things. So mm-hmm. e- and it's like a constant theme through everybody's life. Like that is always the most important thing is like family and prioritizing that kind of stuff. So um, mm-hmm. congrats on your family, man. Four kids. That's rad. Thanks, dude. Yeah. yeah. And Thanks for also wanting a- to have a podcast with some weird Canadian guy that makes internet memes. <laughs> <laughs> this is important to you somehow. <laughs> oh man, no, freaking love it. I mean, honestly, making we've started to dabble in the meme stuff as well, and Dude, it's just so good. I love your video. The it's relatability, so fun. the relatability is super, super fun, and so many facets. I love it. Um, just because it's at the core, of what you're talking about. Just, I think it's hysterical. I really enjoy it, making yeah. jokes like that. Yep. Um, but the relatability and people like want, wanting to engage with that kind of stuff and, and like feeling heard in mm-hmm. the things that you're saying yeah. is it's really fulfilling in a very weird way. Yeah. And then it also grows your business and like gets the attention of brands and all these things. And you're just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> how how like, I'm literally just pointing out the obvious. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. have the strength <laughs> to say it. <laughs> yep. But it's, I mean, I, I say a phrase in my channel all the time, lean into what makes you different and the whole like, the whole idea is like so many people are just pursuing the same exact thing all the time. And if you just like take a second to step back and like, don't upload that week and just think critically. And then you're like, Oh, that's an obvious thing that everybody agrees about. Let's do a a comedy bit about Mm -hmm. it. Then it's like, everyone's going to feel the same about it. Mm -hmm. Totally. I think comedy is the most powerful form of art up there with like Mm -hmm. music because comedy if done appropriately or done in the right way like lets everybody's guard down and then comedians yeah. can like use a link like uh to tell a message or share something that's really important and be and it just lands so much stronger than like if someone was like yelling it at you like i could yell mm-hmm. into a microphone and be like instagram sucks because it doesn't pay all its creators but if you say it in like a really comedic way then all of a sudden people are like oh that is true they don't you know what yeah <laughs> right yeah <laughs> It's like it's everyone's so defense has gone down and I've always just like respected comedians so much because they're like, they're, what was the, there was like a, uh, a joke online that it's like politicians became comedians and comedians became politicians. And I was like, I was like, that's <laughs> wow. awesome. Yeah. And one's doing better than the other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, again, that trip we just came off of, we're shooting a documentary um, with Joe Greer, a film photographer, and something that we've noticed with with his life, um, just in the short stint of time we've had with him already, is Joe's a very, very successful guy. Uh, both him and his wife, Maddie, both very successful, mm-hmm. but we're realizing very quickly that they are very intentional with their time so that they can do things like be hospitable. They were just unbelievably hospitable to us. And that's just at the core of their values. And it was just so eye opening to me because I'm just like looking through the past three years of my life. And I'm like, when have I had enough time to be this hospitable towards someone? Like I have the mm-hmm. desire to do that. And I just haven't because I've been too busy. Mm. And so that's another thing that I love about like building a robust business is just like, oh yeah, I can just have more time to be able to do that because that's what I find valuable in relating to other people. And so, yeah, and I'm starting to realize that more and more with the collaborations I'm having with like these guys and Mm -hmm. building their channels and, and collaborating on this documentary together and all that. It's just, it's it's really profound. And a lot of times it just takes stopping just like stop, think, step back, talk to other people and figure it out. Well, it's very easy to look at someone else's success and be like, well, I could probably do my own version of that or duplicate that. Um, and then I will get the same kind of high that they're getting. But it's, (laughs) if you're not leaning into what makes you different, then (laughs) what, or critically looking at things and like, it is the most like tried and true classic thing is like take one step backwards to move like three steps forward. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you just pause and rather than doing the same stuff and like, sometimes you got to do it. Like, you know, I don't love always making, uh, the new Mac studios out, right. Here's, here's another (laughs) 14 videos embargoed lifted. Like it's fine. (laughs) I do it because it's just probably a smart business move. And like statistically those videos have done well, but the things that I'm most passionate about last year, there's like, five or six videos that I just went like ham on and that I loved mm. and that were different or I took a risk on it or I leaned into the comedy or I did something that I really enjoyed. And those are the ones that like every time someone asks like, Oh, what's a video I should watch on your channel? It's like, it's those videos. It's not, I'm not going, right. Oh, you should check out the new M one max Apple studio one, man. The way I talk about processors is so unique. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, going back to the, the kind of future leaning question and talking about like five to 10 year plan and everything, uh, you and, and Lizzie made a decision, I think it was a couple months ago to leave Canada for a little while and to travel a little bit and to kind of work from different places and, and see a little bit more of, uh, the world just to, uh, free yourselves up. You, you expand on it in that video that you made. Um, but where are y'all at with that? right now and how how was that experience of uh, working so remotely in places that you hadn't done that before yeah so the the video that you're referring to is specifically when uh like the whole team went down to puerto vallarta for two weeks Mm -hmm. and just worked for mexico during what ontario's like never-ending lockdown was um and it was just Mm -hmm. because like all of us were feeling and this is still how we're all feeling is that in ontario it's just like especially during the winter times is not, and this is, and I'm, I'm going to acknowledge my privilege here. And I'm also going to acknowledge the fact that I have the luxury of even having this conversation. So I'm not saying here and on my position in life and being like, Oh, my life's so hard living in Canada and having free healthcare and uh, living in like, we're clean drinking water. Like I recognize all that. Let's, let's get that all the way here. Right. So I recognize Mm -hmm. all that. And I recognize the privilege of even talking about this for a second. So, to go off of that, like 
to spend two weeks down in a country that was like so open and had like amazing weather for two weeks. And I was like interacting with new people and staying active. Like that was everything mm -hmm. that my life needed at that time and still mm -hmm. needs now. So we're, I've been home for the last two weeks and I'll just speak so transparently with you. Like, I don't like it here. I genuinely mm -hmm. don't like Toronto and Canada and I have no reason to live here other than family. And, and it comes mm. back to the family thing is so powerful that we will stay here. And I think this will be yeah. a hub for us in some capacity, but even what life is looking like right now, if things go to how things are going to go to plan, Lizzie and I are going to Costa Rica in a few months and we're going to go and take us some look at some property down there as well. And I think the game okay. plan as of right now is that we would like to buy some place in a warmer climate that's away in the wintertime so that we can spend mm. three to four months of the year there, bring the cats down and work remotely and then come back to Canada sometime in like April, May when it starts to actually get like enjoyable to unbearable to be here. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I know, and again, I'm not trying, like it's bearable all the time. It's just like, it's, it's just not that inspiring and, or mm -hmm. it doesn't, and like, I, I could be really like, it doesn't align with my chakras and all this other stuff. It's just, I, it's not, it's really uncomfortable to be here and to create and it's expensive. Like Toronto has become such an expensive city that like you mm -hmm. order off of Uber eats and for two people it's like $80 and you're like, how is this, how is this like sustainable? <sighs> right. Like, how is this actually sustainable in any capacity, right? And oh then, like, gosh. so when I go down to Mexico and I can have dinner with Lizzie and it's the best dinner I've ever had, it's not even, like, poorly made or, like, you know, it's whatever, you know, on Uber Eats, it can sometimes be like that. And it's, like, 15 bucks. And I was, like, so financially it's more sustainable. The energy levels are better. The properties are significantly cheaper. Um, I'm by the ocean. I'm in the mountains. I'm connecting with people mm -hmm. I, like, really get along with that don't also feel stressed out based on the environment around them. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, uh, I think we were definitely at this point in our lives where I think we're going to, we've decided to pull the trigger. It's going to happen. And we just don't know if it's going to be Puerto Vallarta, Mexico or Los Cabos, or it might end up being, um, Costa Rica. And those are probably the places like I can't imagine us looking outside of that purely because I would also want family to come and visit us. And if I make it yeah. Europe or if I make it somewhere else in the world, I think that hurdle is too a big of a jump for certain family members that I think we would just mm -hmm. distance ourselves so much that that would have a negative impact on our lives there. So I think we're looking somewhere mm -hmm. in North America and we're more or less avoiding the States uh, because the States has its own way of feeling similar to parts of Canada. So at least we can change up the culture yeah. in some capacity. Um, that's speaking very transparently. I was at dinner uh, two nights ago with my grandmother and I was chatting with my cousin and I was like, yeah, I just don't like Canada. And I could like, I saw her go, <laughs> And like, look, and I was oh. like, oh, she came, she came from Germany to like live here for a better life. And I'm oh, over here being man. like, oh, wow. I felt bad and I like recognize it. But I was like, oh, sorry, it's just like, eh, it's just not that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And someone that's really inspired me in, on that front recently, we had him on uh, last season, um, a YouTuber that goes by Rob Built. And he does... Um, he does Airbnb uh, content nice. and he like came from nothing. His parents were Mexican immigrants and came to the States and they had like him and his wife had saved up, I think 40 grand over the course of five years uh, when they were living in Kansas city. I don't think it was even that much. 
and just for like a down payment on a house and they decided to move to LA, which was insane. Um, but that's what they wanted to do. And in that process, they, they bought that house and that was like three or four years ago. So it's already nearly doubled in price with the housing market is done. But in the midst of that, he just hustled so hard on like, he literally maxed out credit cards. He asked family members, he got people to like, to give him money to build um, an Airbnb in his backyard. He, he listed out the garden apartment underneath his house and then made a tiny home in the backyard and then completely subsidized his mortgage there. And now he just has, in a matter of two years, has built like an Airbnb empire. Mm -hmm. And amazing. I think I saw this guy. Does he also post on TikTok too? This sounds yes. so familiar. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah, I definitely saw his TikTok yeah. video on this. He's hysterical too. He's such an awesome person. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just so, so cool to see someone go after it like that. Cause I think a lot of people are just like, it's, it's just not even possible. And his whole channel is dedicated just being like, no, it is like, you have to be committed. Like you have to yeah. know that this is a reality, but that's why he's become so successful. He's just inspired so many people to start that journey and do it and like actually really do it. Like people have started his course or like building their own Airbnb empires as well with very yeah. similar stories to him. And I think in the midst of that, it's just, it's just very cool to see, you know, like someone who might not necessarily have that, that, stance of, of privilege or like coming from virtually nothing, um, you know, like w with, with his background, just be able to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just love the guy. And if anybody's listening, definitely go check out Rob Bilt. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just love talking to other creative people about real estate and Airbnb Oh, I love it, and, man. I, uh, yeah. I, I bought a property, uh, like a rental property when I was 24 that is like one of the best decisions oh, yeah, I ever yeah. made. And I've had oh. crazy experiences as a landlord with that. Like I had a tenant die in my unit one time and like had to deal with all this stuff, oh. which like got literally within nine months of owning it at 24, I was like thrown into the deep end of oh being like a landlord. Gosh. Right. And oh just dealing goodness. with that. And like, he had no family here. So then like I'm getting phone calls from like Cork, Ireland and stuff like that. And <laughs> these people being like, we're trying to deal with all this. So, Oh my God. There's so many things that like that, that easily could have been, a really scary experience that would have like hesitate, like been hesitant to want to invest in future real estate and do all that kind of stuff. So I think that's only what we're doing now. I've read some really great books. Uh, Nomad Capitalist was a really good one by like Graham Henderson, where he talked about like investing in other countries around the world that people don't really um, think about investing in, like the country of Georgia and um, and uh, mm. just different places in Mexico and. Um, mm. Panama and places that you never think like off the top of your head, like, oh, that'd be a great place to invest. But, you know, his whole thing was like Singapore was not Singapore 20 years ago. And now it's one of the richest countries in the in the world. And that's all because of the mm. ways that these countries have like positioned themselves. So just looking at like not just opportunities in your area, but looking at because we live in this global economy and we have access to be able to travel, like there is so much opportunity to do literally anything and you can build Airbnbs and you can run them remotely and we can have teams all over the place. So I get more mm -hmm. excited about that kind of stuff a lot these days. And, mm. um, yeah, that's a part of the future and what you were talking about there too. So sick. Jeez. It's, yeah, it's so much more multifaceted, I think behind the curtain. Um, once we get into conversations like this, because yeah, people might just, I think, a lot of people can look at someone with a YouTube channel or an online presence and see like the M1 Mac review and just be like, Oh, they're just getting stuff all the time and like doing all and 
really deep down, we're sitting here being like, that's just my job. Like, it's just, it's not, I'm not excited yeah. about that. Um, it, it's, there's almost like pride in that. It was exciting that I've built the channel and I love it, but it's like, um, it's, it's like I built it to a point where now that runs and it's successful and I can almost like separate myself, even though the channel needs me to be able to start right. working on like new ventures and things outside of that, mm -hmm. that I'm really excited about. So like I spend so much of my time in the evening, like reading up on real estate and like checking out different <laughs> things and a lot of just like playing around with fun numbers on stuff and, uh, yeah. and trying to find truly just trying to find passions outside of my job that I, that really just like drive me and excite me. Um, and that's, those have been some pretty prominent ones. Very cool. Um, Yes, Steven's building his own channel right now. That, yep. My what do you, Sl slowly but surely. How do you feel about like the stuff you've already made and the stuff that you want to make this year? Being in a with a channel in its infancy in 2022. Uh I think it's it's just fun more than anything else. I'm yeah. going into it with like as low expectations as I can, but also some personal goals for it so that I stay motivated to actually make stuff for it, but don't get like my whole soul crushed because you know, I didn't hit like X amount of subscribers or something yeah. like that. Um, the, I think the especially fun part of it is the fact that everyone at our studio is doing it together. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is so life giving to make all of these videos like in, in like alongside each other. Mm -hmm. Like I think the thing that you said when we all started doing this was like, man, I wish I had all of us when I started making my channel mm -hmm. speaking as you four years ago, yeah. because you had to do Great all impression. of these things like, you know, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. I wish I was you. I'll, I'll be here every Friday. <laughs> Sorry. <Bye>. Um, <laughs> been really dialing in my Eric for a while. <laughs> Um, but it was like, it, it meant a lot to hear that from you. Cause it like, you, you've been doing this for so long and to hear that perspective of like, oh man, like this is something really special. Like mm -hmm. for you to point that out and say like, no, this is, this is really cool for everyone to have each other to like help set up cameras and lights and like talk you through a script that you're going through and refine it and make it better. And ultimately just get everybody working at the highest level that they can making the best st stuff that they possibly can. Um, is is really cool and I think I'm having as much fun doing it right now because we're all doing it together and because mm -hmm. like you know I'll I'll pop in and film a video for you and then vice versa you'll do that for me and mm -hmm. then we'll get Gene or Braxton or whoever it is on board and it's just it feels like such a like freely collaborative environment right now where like any idea can be good if we just put the time into it mm -hmm. and having four brains working on it at the same time is just so cool because you might have an idea and it'll spin off into something and get turned into something that you never expected, but you love still yeah. because you are like vulnerable enough to like pitch that to your friends and have them contribute to it and feed into it in a way that just like totally blows it up and makes it better than it ever could have been. Mm -hmm. So I'm loving it so much. It's just, it's just a fun process and I in no way feel like I'm behind or like, Oh, like why would I bother starting in 2022? It's like, no, this is just a really fun way to get better at all of these like skills that mm -hmm. I'm already had. Um, and I think it's just, it's, it's a real treat right now. Honestly, I'm, I love it so much. Good to hear. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you obviously have collaborated with other people in Canada. It feels like it feels like Toronto is a creative hub in so many ways. How does even just 
being married to another creative like yeah, yeah. what does that process look like for you like do you guys are you guys collaborating and throwing ideas at each other a lot of the time yeah lizzie and i um i mean we ran the corporate the video production company for so long so we were in the in the weeds in the thick of it when you had to collaborate a lot together and lizzie and i always kind of positioned ourselves like i would have these like really insane crazy ideas and she would kind of like be able to package that in a way that was like the client actually would like like it so that it was like <laughs> pushing the boundaries but it wasn't so crazy that they were like they thought it was risky so lizzie was always really good at like capturing whatever i said and then translating it in a way that made sense to somebody so that we could have fun collaborating together on that idea but it wouldn't you know the maybe the client wouldn't be like ah, okay and like not give us money so <laughs> That's where we came from for a really long time. And now, so Lizzie's office is literally like on the office. We, well, to go back, we shared an office space for a while um, in our old two bedroom, two, two bedroom, two bath condo in Toronto. And it was like a hundred square foot. And Lizzie and I would be like back to back. And we like, I'd be oh working on a video and go in the other room. So that was like too small. So we like outgrew that very quickly. And then we moved into mm. a bigger space that was like six or 700 square feet, which was really great. But we were still in the same room and I don't know what your office is set up like but you know she would have her office and she's working and they're talking their teams are talking my team's talking and everyone's just talking over each other and so then when Mm. we moved into the house which was purely because of COVID and uh, it was like the right financial decision to make at the time we now have our own separate offices so I'm in my office Lizzie's office is across the hall Um, and Mm. now we more schedule time to be like collaborative so in the sense of we're working on a video together we'll say hey let's work on this one and then if she has a video that she's launching I'll come and help her with titles or thumbnails and and vice versa she'll come in and we'll really like almost like on the really high level stuff almost like when like a manager or a boss would come in and be like all right I love what you've done here but like tweak this 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 and here's some ideas here and then like that's what we do for each other now so it's less like collaboration on the beginning and more collaboration on like the delivery and the distribution now mm-hmm. um we've okay. talked a lot about collaborating but i think because our personalities are so both very very strong personalities mm-hmm. i think we both funny enough and being very transparent like we work really well as a couple but on the business creative side i think we clash heads a lot because i am very much a person that's like well i want to make this thing and she's like well i want to make this thing and I'm like can we make this work and i don't know if it always glues together as nicely as we want it to um, hmm. so that, and, but there has been lots of times where, because for example, like I worked on a video last year that she came in on and she, I know for a fact she made it drastically better because the thing is, is like, she's not a yes man. Lizzie is very much in this or yes woman. She is very much the person that's like, you can make this better or like you're, you didn't put enough effort in. And like, you have to not have an ego when you're like chatting with Lizzie on the collaborative side, because she's very much the person that would be like this you can improve here or push yourself more here have you thought of this because i know that will it's more difficult but that will make it better and that has a better message so maybe for mm-hmm. a lot of people it doesn't always feel as like collab it is collaborative but it feels like work because it requires more effort but i've always really grateful every time lizzie and i have collaborated on stuff because of that but there's always this combination that because we spend so much time together having them the separate youtube channels i think has been a really healthy thing for us now moving to like everybody else that's in our space um you know peter i mean you got peter mckinnon matty apoya you got daniel schiffer just moved to a studio that's like 10 minutes from me alan palander lives down the street um like everyone is around here so it's been really easy to like touch base we don't 
because of COVID, we didn't get the chance to collaborate as often, but I love collaborating with all those guys. And Peter's so good at like bringing people together and meshing everyone to get to create content and uh, building on ideas. And anytime I show him something I'm working on, he's very much like plants ideas or seeds. He's like, have you thought about this? What about that? Mm. And you're like, duh, it's brilliant. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he's, he's is, there's a reason why he's very much still such a king of the space um, because mm. he is just, he's such a natural creative person. Uh, but everyone's so good. And I think, I don't know, maybe it comes back to what I was chatting about earlier where I think Canada, Canada cultivates. I think there's two reasons why there's so many like Canadians that are creative. Canada cultivates a creative culture and we support mm. it in different ways financially or through different programs. Like we have the CBC, which is fine. It's Canadians, like Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. So that was like where Shit's Creek and a lot of other shows have come from. Um, so mm, they okay. support a lot of uh, television and again, all funded by our tax dollars and, and things like that so that wow. we can launch and lift up talent here in Canada from the creative side. And then the other side is I think because of the shitty cold weather that I'm referring to and all my bitching, um, I think you just get <laughs> bored. So because, so you don't yeah. want to go outside. So you just get stuck inside playing music or taking photos or working on videos. And I think that's, I think, Canada's climate also cultivates this weird passion for music and things like that, or passion for the arts. Um, yeah, it's a great place to be collaborative. That's for sure. Super interesting take. I, yeah. Going back to um, your relationship with Lizzie, have, like my wife used to shoot weddings with me and it got to a point where it was just like, we, we just can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want, I don't want to, try to pretend to be your boss or whatever. It just doesn't feel right. Have you yeah. had moments like that or like, what does that look like? Yeah. Cause it was, it was a unique position that we came from where in university. So I'm a year older to give context. I'm a year older than Lizzie is. And we both mm -hmm. studied at Ryerson uh, university for radio and television arts. And so we've been together for a decade now. Like we've literally have known each other. We've been married for, like coming up on a year, but we've known each other for almost a decade, which is wild wow. and been dating, like literally in a relationship for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So part of that was I started a company when I was in university, naturally because of all the opportunities that were coming from like doing the music stuff and the video thing. So I was getting asked to do jobs and I had built this company that was doing like government video production. That was like my weird like, that, yeah. niche here in Canada. Mm -hmm. is like I was had a lot of clients like the city of Toronto and the city of Burlington and the town of Newmarket and the town of Richmond Hill would all hire me to make like videos of people smiling and doing government things. So at that point that was like working for me. And, um, Lizzie, when she graduated, she went to go work for another video production company right out of the gate. So she learned a bunch just by working at a place that had structure and knew how to run a business rather than me just like flying by the seat of my pants just because of the uh, opportunities. Cause I didn't have any traditional business background in any capacity and anything I did have was from my dad who ran like a small business on like, you know, software implementation. So like he didn't know what, to do when it came to my specific needs in business, but he was like, this is how you create an invoice. So like I learned things from him about business, yeah. but not how to run a video production or a creative agency. So then a year went on, I was getting really busy and we were at that point where Lizzie wasn't really enjoying her job as much. And she had learned a lot. And she said like, I think I could bring a lot of value to what you're doing. So 
it was in a weird way like we never had this like boss mentality or like but there was the power dynamic that was like Lizzie was coming into a company that I had already run for two years and she was very respectful of that she didn't come in and be like give me half like out of the gate or anything like that she was very much like I'm gonna come in you're gonna pay me a salary know that my like intentions are in the future I'd like a piece of this um, and then so in the first year I think she helped triple the revenue of the company I was like well this this helps justify like a valid reason to like <laughs> own a portion of it, right? And so mm -hmm. she basically just sunsetted or sunrised her way into like owning part of the company. So every year yeah. she get more of a percentage based on like how we were doing. And then at some point we just decided that it was like, all right, um, I have a few clients that uh, at that time, that's when like social media was starting and I had a few of my own clients. So I was like, okay, well, why don't we create some separation? I'll like, we'll build a new corporation together We'll share all that work. I'll have a few things that mm -hmm. I'm doing on my end, um, on the side, uh, and then we'll do all these corporate videos. And then we did that really successfully and we did that really well. And really the only clash that we ever had uh, while running that before YouTube took off was really just in creative, which I was talking about there, where it's like, I wanna make a video being like, these guys should attach it to a weather balloon and it should be on the edge of space. And Lizzie's like, let's not do that and let's do something like a little bit more realistic that's like not going to be a nightmare to try to produce um and she would find a way to like take that essence of that idea and package it again like i said in a way that worked for the client and produced a lot of results for us because i was always just like how do we get enough attention and that's where like we went from just being a video production company to being like a marketing agency and doing creative that had results and things like that now where it got more complicated is when my youtube career started to become more successful and i was getting opportunities outside of our corporate video production company that was like making you know our corporate videos at the time for example we were doing jobs for like banks so making videos about like mortgages and making videos about different ways to grow your investment portfolios like it's fine and it's important like now i'd be like yeah let's go but like at the time i was like <laughs> I don't care. You know what I mean? I don't care. Right? I didn't. Let's I just. Was I was just losing interest because I was getting other opportunities, and I was like, there was interest on the YouTube channel, and that was more fulfilling, which came back to me and my ego, which was all came back to like when I loved making music and I wanted the attention and wanted something of that, right? And because of that, that created conflicts because I would try, I would work as hard on the company that we owned together, which she still needed help on. And I was like over there being like, YouTube's the best. I'm getting paid more money than I am at the corporation. And I'm like, have more creative freedom and I love it. And I don't want to like mm -hmm. pull my eyes out. Right. And like Lizzie's like, well, that's a bit dramatic. Um, <laughs> I need this. So we can, and she was really good about it. And I remember thinking like, man, I was a diva uh, at that time, but I was so, <laughs> I didn't know how to manage the stress because I was working like 90 hours a week on the company yeah. and then doing the YouTube channel on the side, as well as trying to, you know, when you're just like young and you're like, you're like, you're just trying to figure it out. You don't know what you're doing. So you're just like trying to, you're working a lot. I'm sacrificing other things. I didn't know about my mental health. I hadn't like had therapy or tried to like give myself like time, giving myself permission to have fun. So I just worked all the time. So I was probably just like stressed mm -hmm. always and mm -hmm. not stressed. Like I probably was fine, but I just, now I, now knowing how I operate, what my new baseline is. Now I think back to that. I was like, wow, his tolerance for bullshit and stress was so high. I don't know how yeah. previous Chris did it. So uh -huh. that caused tension because Lizzie was like, well, um, if this is what you want to do, then I think we need to find a way to sunset you out of 
the company or find ways that you can come in with your strengths when you want to come in. But I need this and I need this to survive because I don't have a YouTube channel. And Mm -hmm. so we were, and luckily around that time too, Lizzie had just started her YouTube channel and there was like, we were about, she was about 10 months or a year into it. We're still doing a bit of the corporate stuff, not as much. She was finding ways to make it work. Um, And then eventually her channel took off. And because um, she, because of that, she was getting a lot of opportunities and making money. And eventually her channel became her channel now. And that she, Mm -hmm. now we run, now it's like, I have my channel, that business. I have this other channel, Lizzie's channel, that's her business. And we come together on the odd project in the middle for like the random like Polar Pro videos that we'll work on together or the other like Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, like different projects that interest us that we both want to collaborate on together. And then we, or like investments that we want to make together that run through it. Like maybe like the Mexico purchase might go through that corporation or something like that. doesn't matter. These are such weird nuanced details. And, um, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, that's, (laughs) that's, that's basically the structure of like where we're at now. But that was tough because I remember like legitimately like having almost like a, a temper tantrum about like, working on a video and Lizzie's like, well, you need to edit it. And I was like, well, I don't need to edit it. And it was just like this dramatic moment in our relationship where it's like, she was so good because she's very good at managing, um, conflict. And we'd actually don't fight, which is funny. Like we don't really bicker a little bit, but we don't, we've never really had like ever had blowouts. I like, I think there's only been like one blowout in our whole 10 year relationship. Um, and everything mm. else has been managed through just like really honest, open conversation. Um, mm. And sometimes things build up over time and then it'll come out in like a really like passive comment, but really not that often. I don't know. It's a very functional Mm. relationship and that's why we didn't want to like create more stress by trying to do too much on the business side as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. We feel that tension in the studio too. um, Oh yeah. With working with each other and we've had, we've had a lot of unpacking of our, our friendships, the, the past like six to to 12 months Mm -hmm. and when anybody asks the question like oh would we be friends if we didn't work alongside each other i just hate that question because it's just like we do keep asking it (laughs) yeah it's just like like, we do don't talk about it so chill that's the reality and whenever we venture into the reality of not working together which will probably be at some point in the future then we can have that discussion then you know yeah um but I think it's so pivotal to sit down and and unpack all those things instead of just for you could do it for years just saying passive things where the other yeah. the other person's just like, I know you think that way about me and I don't yeah. want to talk about it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's not good. Yep. <laughs> so we try to be healthier than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. It, it's it's not it's not easy because it requires work, right? And it's difficult yeah. conversations and you have to be aware of your own egos and biases and everything else. Um mm-hmm. so that you can somehow empathize with the other person and where they're coming from, even if you don't fully understand it until later in your life you do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, that sounds like a beautiful note to end on for sure chris could you uh could you please just tell all the listeners where they can find uh, you and all the work that you do yeah i i just go to google and search chris how h-a-u and then go to maybe a wikipedia page if it exists or something like that <laughs> follow me on <laughs> if it doesn't someone make pinterest it. no no I mean, they're, they're they're all on the <laughs> myspace the, man myspace is back baby uh i uh <laughs> 
YouTube's the main one. Instagram's where I spend some other time. I'm trying to take TikToks more seriously now. And uh, yeah, those are probably the main spots you'll find me. Love it. Very cool. We'll keep all that linked in the show notes below. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. And thank you all for listening to today's episode with the one and only Chris Howe. Thanks, guys. (laughs) I appreciate you. (laughs) 